Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning and welcome to Money Sense. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. Happy to be with you this morning, Brad, as we continue to trudge through this uh, this bear market, if you want to call it that. We'll talk about some of the definitions there or possibly just a correction. We're sort of creeping up on that 20% sell-off, which is the historical definition of a bear market. So as we continue to trudge through this, we're going to keep throwing the numbers at everybody. And I'm the reason I'm going to keep doing that, we did that last week. We had a lot of positive feedback about the numbers we threw out last week. And the reason why is the numbers have to be your guide. Not only the probabilities of of recovery and what the average recovery is, what the average downturn is, but also the, the numbers on what has happened historically in previous corrections like this, previous corrections like this that have gotten worse, and what has happened and how long it's taken to recover. And the reason I, why I rely on that so much, Brad, I was thinking about this before the show, and I was thinking about your health, okay? And if you went into the doctor, whatever ailment you might have, okay, and if the doctor said, and a lot of times when we're looking at this 20% sell-off, we're looking at numbers three, four, five years out with 90% probability of mm-hmm. success yeah. in terms of making money, even even shorter times. In any given uh, uh, one-year period, you always have a 72% probability of success, but when the market goes down, those probabilities go up, mm-hmm. okay? So let's say you go to the doctor, whatever ailment you might have, and the doctor says to you, I'm going to give you a 95% probability of recovery, but there's the treatment plan that I'm going to put you put in place for you. And it's going to be a rough three months. Okay. It's going to be a tough three months. You're going to be very sick. But then after that, you have a 95% probability of success. Okay. And you'll be in the clear with that probability, or you can do nothing and you got a 50, 50 chance of survival, but you won't be sick the next three months. What are you going to pick? Right. You, you want to be healthy for the rest of your life. That's right. That's the market right now. There's a very good chance there's there not a very good chance, but there's a chance because no one knows the short term that we could be very sick for the next one month, one week, three weeks, three months. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But there's an even higher chance that if you stick with your plan, maybe even nibble a little bit on stocks on sale, don't panic, keep a level head, that there's a 90 plus percent chance that in three years, four years, five years, six years, you're going to do quite well. And and yet with your health, no one would choose the 50-50. Yeah. Get, I want to feel good in the short term and risk. And I'll risk the long term. I'll risk right. the long term. No one would do that. But people do that with their money all the time. Well, and I think knowing the numbers makes answers the question, if someone were to say to me, why are you so bullish now? Well, it's because you know the numbers. You know that after a downturn, the probability of success goes up. After a downturn, the probability of outperforming numbers over a 1, 3, and 5 go up and vice versa. When everything looks good, like it did about nine months ago, why are you so pessimistic everything is doing well? And we were saying because it cannot keep going. Because 
it, it nothing ever keeps going at this pace. And when you're outperforming long-term averages over a three-year period by double, of course, we're either going to go sideways for a while or have a correction or a little bit of both. And we ended up getting the correction. Well, now that that's already happened, know the numbers so that you know that that while the run-up can't last forever, the, the sell-off also has never lasted forever. Asking your financial advisor where they think the market's going between now and the end of the year might be the worst question to possibly ask. Because I always come back with the same question back to all clients, which is, how much money do you need for yourself over the next one, three, and five years? That money shouldn't be invested. That's it. Yep. Because no advisor will ever know what's going to happen from May to the end of the year. And so you don't, you don't need to know that. That doesn't matter. What you need to know is that you have enough in reserves to cover your short to intermediate term needs and you need the long-term investments. And by the way, everybody becomes a short-term investor during corrections and everybody starts rolling out. I don't care if you're 60, 70, 80, or 90. I don't have enough time to recover. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another thing where you look at the stats and you look at the history. Say, well, how much time do you really have? Because I'm telling you what, you may think I'm retired and I'm 70, but do you not sit there and think I might need some money when I'm 80 right. or 85? Which, which chunk of your money will you need at that time? Right. You don't need it all right now. And, and by the way, everyone's worried about the same thing right now. Not only stock market volatility, but what else? Inflation. Inflation. Okay. Well, you're, you know that when you go to cash, you're going to lose to inflation. It's a virtual certainty. There's a possibility the best asset class to keep up with inflation over the long term has been equities. So there's a possibility you could, you could keep up with inflation, but you have no chance in cash. And think about that decision you're making in cash. If I give you two investments, Brad, and I said, I'm going to give you an investment. So cash is the U.S. dollar plus almost no interest, right? Money right. market. You're looking at a money market okay. or savings account. So I'm going to give you something that a government is, I mean, this is Econ 101, printing a lot of and has over the last few years. It doesn't earn anything interest-wise. It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't produce. It's just same thing with gold, by the way, but it doesn't produce. Or, or I'm going to give you a basket of companies that make products and services that almost everybody in the world and the United States want and use. And yes, they might sell more or sell less in any given year, but over time, they're investing, they're researching, they're adding new products, they're adding new services, they're growing their business. What would you rather own? When you just describe stocks versus cash, no one would ever choose cash. You can, <laughs> and, and make the same claim for crypto. Uh, one that's producing versus one that has no Without groups. question. Yeah. So I want to get right into this, Brad. I want to get your comments on each one of these. Uh, and it is six things to know about bear markets. Okay? This is, goes goes right with the stats. So bear market traditionally is what? What's that sort of textbook definition? We kind of roll our eyes, but... A, not a calendar year of 20%, but a high to low of 20% sell-off on a closing basis. Uh, not an intraday basis. We got to 19 point... Actually, we got past 20 on a closing basis or on a intraday basis, but not on a on a closing uh, low for the S&P and the Dow. And so that's that's really the definition of it for uh, the business channels and for the markets. And we've had a lot of 19.9s over the years. We had one at 11. We had one at the end of 18. And here we've had one recently. So technically, we haven't had bear markets in the last 20 years other than the dot-com bubble at the turn of the century and COVID and 08. 
Yeah. 2008. So, so three, three, three yeah. bear markets. All right. Yeah. Before that, it would have been 1987. And before that, it would have been 1973 and 74. So... Not not very yeah. often. In last week's show, uh, we mentioned that uh, how often do they happen, and it's once every 5.75 years, 20% down in the market. But if we look at all of these that stopped at 19, or in fact 19.9, we've actually had three in the last six years, which would make the argument that if we're going to mean revert on how many 20% sell-offs we, we're going to have over the next six years, uh, you would you would mean revert to not have as many, and because we, we've already had three in the last six Two 19.9s this year and 2018, and a 34 point, uh, 34.5 during COVID, which is a lot of big sell-offs in a short amount of time. And what that means is the investor psychology is going to bring us to you know, people who are going to be out and trickling back in and eventually buying every dip and leading the market to have less volatility because there's so many people who are going to have miss, missed out on the run up and are buying every single dip to keep it nice and steady. That would just be logical that in order to get a market that's sold off this much, you have to have had a lot of people that have bailed and probably were not going to even think about getting back in until there's a clearer picture out there, which is code for the market will be much higher. So let's look at let's look at bear markets. We're not there yet. Uh, certainly, I think the recession question is the biggest question to see whether things get worse or not. If we go into a recession, probably looking at more downside. If we don't, typically uh, you look at the market. Without a recession, it's right right at the levels what we're at today. But let's let's use the worst case scenario. That's fine. If we look since 19, uh, 1940, Brad, and all the bear markets uh, since World War II to current, the average sell off in a bear market is twenty nine point six, and it lasts eleven months. Okay, so where are we today? S and P five hundred's down eighteen percent, mm-hmm. and we are five and a half months in. So let's say hypothetically, because everybody wants to know what they're worried about worst case scenario. Because I'm going to get to the good news part of this, mm-hmm. okay? If we are five and a half months in, we have six months to go. If we're looking at histo- based on historical averages, and it was eleven months, you said is the average. Eleven and a half 11 months, and a half, so we're five so and a half yep. months in. Six months to go, ten percent to go on the downside. Okay, Ooh, I don't want to lose ten percent. It's already down eighteen. Maybe I should just get out now and right. right. My, yeah. Okay, the average one year return once the bear market is over, okay, is forty one. Point eight percent for all those bear markets since World War II. So if I got an average down, and that didn't ha- doesn't have to take eleven months. It could happen. It could ha- being down twenty would be a bear market. And by so the way, we are not have- we are not saying that it's not possible that in the next six months the market goes lower. The key is matching up your time. Yes, your risk tolerance that's important, but your time horizon most importantly. Okay, because if on average it's eleven and a half months, we're five and a half months in. That's six months. If on average, 12 months later, it's up 41.8%, that's 18 months. Mm-hmm. What part of your portfolio do you need in the next 18 months? Yeah, I'm guessing Just, not a giant chunk. So, so keep that 95% right. invested right. and know that even if it goes down a little bit more, there's much more upside now, now potential. Now, most retired people, our clients have a whole lot more than that reserve. But right. my point is this. Let's 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 do two people that are standing here, right? Because you have two choices right now, and people are worried about the markets and worried about bailing. Let's you got let's say you have a million dollars, okay? And person number one is going to say, "Guess what? You you won't lose any more than your million right now, and in eighteen months you'll have a million. And I'm going to do the ten year treasury. What is it? Just let's call it three percent. It's two point seven. Call it three. In 18 months, you'll have a million forty-five. Okay. Okay. What's the other guy saying? 
Well, the other guy's saying, given that we're down 18%, I'm going to give you a million. Okay? You're going to you're going to lose another 10% in the next 6 months. You're going to lose 100,000. But in 18 months, I'm going to hand you 1.418 million. Who are you going with? Right. You want the straight line or you get a million return. 45? Yeah. You get a million 45 in 18 months or based on market this is no guarantee. This is no yeah. certainty based on market history since World War II. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you go based on those averages, you lose another 100, and in 18 months, you have a million, 1.14 million. Who... Who would choose the first person? Well, it's the exact same <laughs> argument we were making. Even if you had sold the high, any of the highs, we talked about 10 different high points of the market on last week's show. Sold the high, got 1.5% treasury, and then moved on from there. Only the most recent sell-off were you not better off in. And so all the other sell-offs you were better off in. Well, here's the other question I get. What about 2008? Yeah. What about 2008? That I said 29.6 is the average. 2008 was worse. So, okay, let's look at 2008. Let's say after 2008, you sold when it was down 20%. Whew. Thank goodness. I sold when it was down 20%. Market dropped another 36%. Glad I am out. Okay? So you're better off for approximately eight months. But guess what? The person who didn't sell five years later was up 43%, even though they went down another 36 initially. Mm -hmm. Okay? Five years later, they made 43%, 7% annualized, and they went down further. And all they did was stay in. All right they did was down, nothing. right back up. Yeah. Okay? So if you're going to give me the what about 08, I'm going to come right back and say, you're right. What about 09? That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning of 10. So six things to know about bear markets. That's number one. Lasts about a year. Could get worse from here in the short term, and as long as you have your short to intermediate term needs covered, okay, you're going to be just fine. It doesn't mean it's going to be fun. Just like the treatment for whatever ailment you might have, it might not be fun, but you'll come out the other side better off. I have five more things, Brad, for bear markets. When we get back from the break, you're listening to Money Sense. Kevin and Brad Kirsten will be right back. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. As a reminder, we are professional financial advisors with offices in Perrysburg. If you want to give us a call throughout the week to set up your own consultation, go over your own financial plan, see where your allocation sits in terms of risk and reward, and uh, let us know. 419-872-0067 or check us out online at KirstenWealth.com. Brad, I'm talking about six things to know about bear markets. Number one, average of 11 months. We're five and a half months in. Average of... Roughly 30%, and the average recovery is 42% one year out. Yeah. Uh, you say we're five months in. We're not in a bear market yet. Okay. I say Mo if. If, 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 if it becomes that, yep. we're five months in, five and a half months in. Most times, you're not in a bear market. Most times, that, you have sell offs that stop before that. In fact, probably three or four times more, you have five, 10, 15% sell offs versus going 20 or more. So let's look since World War II. 
No recession or recession. That's the big definer. Yeah. Okay. Recession is two consecutive quarters of contraction in the economy. Without a recession, the the, the corrections near bears, if we'll call them, have have averaged twenty one percent, three percent from where we are today. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on average, five point eight months, six months. So one right, month, we're right there. One, we're right there. If there's no recession, we're right there on the average. Okay, what if there is a recession? Yeah, it is a little bit worse. It's a, it's that it's 33%. The average was 30 if you combine both sure, recession sure. and no recession. And it's about 15 months, but it's still that one-year recovery. You don't lose that. Mm-hmm. That's still there. Yeah. Okay? Now, just just one point here on the, the, the contracting economy, negative GDP. Last month, last quarter, we did have contracting GDP. But of the... One percent of of full contracting of GDP that we had, three point two percent of it was import export imbalance. So without that, if we were a zero on imports and exports, we would have actually expanded by two full percent. So it's a little bit of a one off. You only had two of about ten different components that were negative. The rest of them are in expansion. The bulk of every economic indicator was expansion. So that back to back quarter. It's not going to happen in the second quarter. I don't. I mean, it would have to be third and fourth, yeah. if anything. Yeah. Right. So that was set. That was two and three on things to know about bear markets with the recession. You're pretty much at the average at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. Without a recession, you're at the average with the recession it gets about 10, per, 10 to 12 percent worse. OK, uh, still the recovery one year out. Forty one percent to say to yourself, OK, you know, there's no there's no having your cake and eat it, too, here. Yeah. For investors, if everyone wants that. It doesn't exist. I talked last week on the show. The the premium you pay is the volatility for those good long term average annual returns. We all do it in every aspect of our life. We just don't realize we're doing it with our investing. Brad, mm-hmm. what do we all want? We want we want six minute apps, mm-hmm. right? We want to we want to eat cheeseburgers, work out for five minutes, and be as healthy as can be, and, and then we go to the personal trainer. And we realize that's not possible. Mm-hmm. It's actually hard work. Well, so is investing. It, it go, you go through that. It is hard work emotionally. So number four, Brad, midterm years. We're coming up on that's going to be the big news story going into the summer, I would think, right? Yeah, I've seen a lot of different charts here. It just depends on your time frame. But you go back to World War II, the average in a midterm election year, intra-year declines is 17.59 on my chart here. We're about right, right there. About right where I mean, we we're actually just a little bit be- beyond that. And I and the one that you have in front of you from First Trust has it a little bit beyond that. The 12-month average after the low point of a midterm election uh, intra-year sell-off is 31.29. So if we're already there, the midterm election. Now, a lot of these will also show what what quarter will give you that sell-off, that, that, uh, that peak to trough. Usually the first quarter and the fourth quarter are the best. First quarter was not very good this year. The, the second and partway through the third would give you your high to low sell-off. It's not what we got this year. We sold off starting on January 4th, and sometime between last Thursday and this Thursday, uh, if this is the bottom, we found our bottom, and here we are still in the second quarter. So that those are the averages. And uh, the midterm election year tends to be, in a presidential cycle, the most volatile of all the years. And uh, that's holding true within this presidential uh, calendar that we're, we're currently in. That's right. And, you know, many people will probably say, Brad, and that's the fifth thing, midterm elections. But it's different this time. We've never had this much discourse in government. 
We've never had inflation and Joe Biden yeah. and and this the the most dangerous words not only in the English language but especially as it pertains to investing are it's different this time. Yeah. People are saying that with cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Right? People said it in the dot com bubble. Yeah. People said it after 9/11. People said it after the housing crisis. Everyone's in the moment, the current crisis you're in always feels like the worst crisis possible. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you that in each and every one of those sell-offs that we mentioned, people were saying this time it's different. Right. Dot com bubble. We've never had tech stocks go up and crash like this. Yeah. Nasdaq recovered. Nine, we've never had a terrorist attack on U.S. soil, yeah. Brad. We'll never be the same. We'll never we'll never recover. We'll never be the same. Yeah. We've never had housing a housing bubble pop and the kind of uh, uh, irresponsible lending that we had in 08. Sure, it was painful. Yeah. But guess what? The market is well market higher recovered. than that. Market yeah, recovered. And, yeah, and, and even real estate recovered. And it... it we you, never have Greece. Remember Greece? We oh, never had geez. Greece default. Debt downgrade. Debt down, downgrade. Got through it. Brexit. Bre Brexit. We've never had Brexit before. 1987. Everyone was saying back then, oh, we, we introduced all this computer model trading. And that was, and we put a lot of, uh, number one, we changed a lot of things from 1987. But we've still had snafus in the computerized trading. Right. That's what brought on the flash crash in 2010. At, at, 10 14 cold war yeah oh my gosh we had a cold war in the 80s how could the market ever go up we've never had inflation like somebody said we never had inflation like this i said yes we have 1982 oh guess what happened from 1982 to 1987 the dow went from 1000 to 2700 almost a triple yeah that's the last time we had this high inflation yeah now i'm not saying that history will repeat but if you're going to tell me that we have that to be out because of inflation I have to give you the real numbers. Yeah. Or you have to say, well, this would be the only time in history when higher inflation caused the stock market to sell off over a long period of time because it's never happened. So people will always then come to us because we tend to be more positive. And why? Because the market tends to go up. So I'll start with that. They, well, when would you be negative? Okay. When would you be negative? First of all, if you need the money in a short-term basis. Yeah. I'm as positive as it gets on the stock market, Brad. But my daughter's going to college in three months. Mm -hmm. I don't have her first year's tuition in the market. That's a perfect example. I'm as bullish as can be, but I need that money in three months. Mm -hmm. Right? So that that's the reason to be cautious is money that you need. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, and I think this is the mindset that people don't understand. Okay? Where, where's the doubt today? I don't, I don't even... 30, 31,000 and okay. change. At, if someone were to say to you, at what dollar amount of the Dow this year in 2022 would you be nervous and you would change your bullish Sell stocks. When would you want to sell stocks? The Dow's at 31000 right now. At what price would you sell? You would say what? 50000 Yes. I'd be nervous. That makes me nervous. Yep. It's not 25000 no, no, I'd be, it's a higher point. I'd be excited when things get expensive. I get nervous when the, if the Dow were to jump uh, to forty five thousand by election day this year, that makes I'm me, nervous. <laughs> right. Right. right, right. Now we've priced in all this optimism and every little every little disappointment will make the market sell off. What have we priced in now? Maximum pessimism. Inflation's going on forever. Fed's going to go too crazy and they won't know how to slow down. And everyone's talking about soft landing is out of out of the picture. The Fed can't do it. There's, it's impossible. And they, they don't take into account all of the actual economic activity, the employment picture we're currently in, and how a recession's pretty unlikely when there are almost unlimited jobs available. 
In order to have a, a long-standing recession, wouldn't you have to have people getting fired? The only place people are getting fired are the massive expansion areas of the market that happened during COVID. If you're in an online retailer or you're working in a warehouse that isn't necessary anymore, you're probably going to have the potential to get fired. But guess what? You could find a job on your way home. Well, and a lot of that is speculation and more of a guess, though. I would make the argument that if you're invested the right way, what the economy does in the next 12 months is irrelevant to you. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Okay. Because all I care about is that in 2028 or 2030, the market is higher. Right. Okay. So we mentioned number four, that's midterm elections. We're kind of lining up really right with that average, mm -hmm. average 17% sell-off. I want to go back to, we talked about the bear markets, the one-year return since World War II is average 41.8%. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay? What I didn't mention is the second year return after a bear market's not too bad either. 13. So above average. 5% in two years. So back to that individual I talked about. Let's use two years. Sell now. Go to cash. Yep. Million dollars. Draw my line in the sand. I got to now. Now in two years, I'll have maybe 6% interest at best. Actually, the 10 years even lower than 3%. So you're not even going to get 6% interest. You're going to get five. Million fifty. Yep. But in two years, I'm going to go down 100,000 and I'm going to be over a million five in two years. Which one are you picking? Once again. This is based, not a guarantee, this is based on what has happened historically, but history can be a guide, okay? Now, those are numbers. If I were to draw it on a line and, and, and right. say, you're going like this and then like this, right. and the other one is just going like this steady line. Some people, regardless of the numbers, are still picking the steady line because of their recent experience. Most times when you have increased volatility, up or down, Right. The next period of time is less volatility because of that. Right. The, the, the people who would be jumping in and jumping out late in a bull market cycle are the ones that are not in anymore. It's your more longer-term investor that just stays in, that is at least in for, for the next cycle. Final thing to know about, six things to know about potential bear markets. We're not in one yet. This is the third year of the bull market. Third year tends to be somewhat muted. 
returns up barely 5% on average. Well, if we got back to up 5% on the year, that'd be a really good number from here. In fact, there have been 11 bull markets since World War II. Three of them ended during their third year. Uh, so one of the last things I'll point out is six-week losing streaks. Uh, we're in one hmm. on the uh, on the S&P 500. It's pretty rare, Brad. Six-week losing streaks going back to World War II. Uh, let's see. We have about... That a- goes back to World War II. I'm looking at your chart. That's only about 15 of them. And that's... <laughs> you're talking about 70 years. Good call. 15. 15 since 1950. 72 years. Okay? We haven't had one in 11 years. Okay? We, ha- we haven't had one that's gone to seven weeks in 21 years okay before that we hadn't one had one that had gone to seven weeks all of them ended at six weeks going back 40 years in fact one two three times it went beyond six weeks and that was 1970 1980 and uh, 2001 Mm -hmm. okay so six week losing streaks what does it tell you well number one the large if it's more than 10 percent in that six weeks the average 12 month return is 18%. That's right where we are, 11.5% in the last six weeks on the downside. Uh, but look at this, just like what we talked about. The three-month return is still negative after a six-week losing streak. Mm-hmm. So once again, when the market drops, the potential for higher-than-average long-term returns increases. The potential for higher-than-average short returns? Coin term, flip. Coin flip. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. That That's not the point. But on that six-week losing streak, it's only happened 15 times. Average one year out is uh, 18% uh, uh, return. Uh, excuse me, Brad. I was doing, um, I was doing the less than 10. It's actually 29% uh, if you're greater than 10%, which we did tick over in the last couple of days okay, on our six-week so, losing streak. Okay, so you're saying it, over what period of time is uh, if it's greater than 10? Six weeks. Oh, or six weeks. Yeah, okay. six weeks. So uh, 11 and a half in the last six weeks on the S&P 500. Based on that history, that's another stat that's in your favor. I'm not. There's no guarantee. Right. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. But your probability has gone up. Some people might be saying, what about COVID? Felt like we were down every week then. That only lasted five weeks. Yeah. That was five weeks down, five months to get right back to the same number sometimes the the quicker things sell off uh the the quicker they recovery this one has just kind of been a a slow meandering down and and some people might say jesus this just feels like we're never going to stop well it has gone on longer than recent sell-offs that we had 2018 similar sell-off was three months down and then four months right back in the same spot and covid was even quicker uh i mean but it's not outside the realm of what is normal brad right i mean you mentioned the average sell-off in a midterm election year we're right there we mentioned the average sell-off when we don't have a recession. We're right there. I look at 2015 and 2016. That was seven months. I look at 2011. That was a 20% sell-off in the market. That was six months. We're right there. Yeah. You know, people that tell me this is so unusual. Not true. Yeah. We're, we're, we're right where a potential correction could go. Uh, that doesn't mean to panic. And that it also means that now, from this point moving forward, you should be more bullish. The, the, you should be more bullish, and the numbers are on your side. Short term, it's always going to be volatile. You don't know what's going to happen next month, in three months, or even in six months. But if you have those short-term needs covered and you're in retirement, you don't have to worry. If you're saving for retirement, I have a lot of people call me and say, 
market seems really bad right now. Should I stop my 401k contributions? If you're if you're building wealth, that's the that's the exact wrong decision. Yeah. If anything, if you haven't had a chance it's to match- the time to increase your contributions. Right. If you're going to wait for to increase your contribution or your percentage of your contribution during periods when you're only going to get a 20% off, you only get it once every six years on average. So here you are. This is your 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 one chance in the last six years, and COVID maybe would have been a uh, the the most recent one where you got a large re- reduction in, in in value of your account, and you can in- increase your contribution. Perfect time to be doing it. Right, and we're gonna take our last pause, but I just want to come back to this here. Uh, not we got third one, pause. Third yeah. pause. We got yeah. we got one more after this. But when I talk to people, listen, everybody needs to make the right decision for their own risk tolerance and time rise. But what I won't let happen is I won't let people make a decision based on bad information. That's why we give these stats on the show, okay? Because too many times people say, what if all, What if the market goes to zero? What if I lose, What if the market goes down this much every month forever? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, okay? I mean, that's like standing on a bridge and saying, I'm going to jump off this bridge because I'm worried the bridge is going to fall, Okay. Well, I'm going to sit there and tell you all the reasons why the bridge is not going to fall, mm-hmm. okay? Because I don't want you to jump off the bridge, right. okay? So that's our job, though. Our job is to give you the best information so, so, so together with our clients we can make the best decision. And sometimes the best information, just like with your health, Brad, is, listen, we're going to go through uh, a tough two, three months so that the next three, four years are good, and 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 you have the proper recovery and you're not sitting here because let me tell you people think it's painful watching the market go down and it is okay but talk to somebody who bailed after 08 talk to somebody who bailed after covid and ask them how painful it was watching the market go up while you weren't in right and just waiting <laughs> for a down day that didn't come that's right that's right so we're gonna take your next pause listen to money sense kevin and brad kirsten we'll be right back and welcome back. You're listening to the Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. Brad and Kevin Kirsten here with you this morning. Uh, Kevin, had a, had a couple big stories here that were not talked about on – I couldn't find it anywhere. Maybe Bloomberg talked about it a little bit. But the main stations for businesses, on the day that you had a enormous meltdown happening in one area of the market – and, and it could have trickled into the stocks, too. I, I totally believe it did. And I think it's one of the systemic risks of cryptocurrencies. And it's this. The, the eighth biggest cryptocurrency, not recommended. I can't believe we have to do this. Not a, We've been bashing <laughs> cryptocurrency. And yet I have to say not a recommendation to buy. Okay. Not a recommendation to buy or sell any of this stuff right. if you could even do it. Okay. Eighth biggest cryptocurrency, Luna. Ridiculous. Um, completely went to zero. I think it's point oh 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 something, and then the stable coin that was linked to it, and and not even worth mentioning, but a, another investment that you could buy, one that's supposed to trade it, you know, right at, be pegged to uh to the dollar or pegged to a current certain currency and not move, both of them virtually went to zero over the course of about a three day period. Uh, they went down ninety percent, and then one day they came in and they were completely wiped out. If you if you Google why did it go down. You're gonna have what you're getting is Google. What Google wants you to read on it. Why did it really go down? More sellers than than buyers. Okay, they're gonna say, oh, the the protocol needed to be changed, and oh, there's there was something. Uh, some computers went haywire. Blah blah. blah. It, it's more it's more sellers than buyers. Okay, of all this stuff. Well, and now, the, the solution for all of this too was 
because of inflation and because of the devaluing of the of the dollar based on the money printing uh that this was going to be the solution you have to protect your asset the problem is it hasn't panned out since april of last year bitcoin's lost 30 percent against the dollar wow that's how stable that's yeah. great So this was the eighth biggest one. There was a trillion dollars between the stable coin and the actual cryptocurrency that was lost in a one week period, one trillion. Here's the problem with that. And even if most investors are not just I'm all of my money in crypto, they're going to have a little of this. They're going to have a little of that. Okay, that goes down. Well, I'll just even if it goes down, not to zero, but goes down. Well, I'm not going to sell that. I believe in it so much. I won't touch that. So those are dollars that nobody will touch or spend and where are they going to... Well, oh, there's always a breaking point, but... Yeah, yeah. But, and so here's the two things that will happen and are already happening. I won't touch that. I'll touch my stocks. Okay. My stocks are only down 10. I'll touch that. Or my stocks are up. I'll, I'll sell that. I'll sell that to buy more crypto. Or I'll sell that for my living expenses. Or I'll sell that because it's not down as much. And then, eventually, somebody who has a lot in crypto, and this is probably what happened here with this Terra Luna, is... Oh, geez, I don't want to lose it all. Geez, it's down 50%. It could go to zero. I remember other ones going to zero. And now that that we're having the eighth largest go to zero, what happens when Bitcoin goes to 20? Are there, is there going to be somebody that has millions in it that says to themselves, well, what if I wake up tomorrow and it's just like Terra Luna and it goes to zero? I better just sell it now, down 50, down 60, down 70. So can a stock, can, you know, Target, not a recommendation to buy or sell that, Target had bad earnings this week, kind of an overreaction because the bad earnings were more about outlook, not an actual decline in revenue and increased prices that are not going to go forever for inflationary items. But they had to guide down on their future earnings. Is Target going to zero? Not overnight. Uh, they have increased revenue of 14% over the last uh, 12 months. I don't think so. They actually produce something. There's something that somebody goes into a store and buys every single day. What's the cryptocurrency produce? Nothing. So it's just a supply demand and it's buyers and sellers. And when more sellers flood into it, that's all that's all that's going to happen is you go down. And if there's nobody in there on the other end buying it, we're not waiting for the earnings call. We're not waiting for the the, the next revenue uh, generator of the company. It's just buyers and sellers. That's it. Well, and when the whole point was to keep up with inflation and it has completely failed. That, that's somebody's thesis. Right. How could it keep up with inflation? It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't do anything. There's no reason it would keep up with inflation. You can say that, but there's no reason that it would keep up with inflation. It's like it's the, backed by nothing. It, Warren Buffett always says this in his meetings, and he's like, if you want a non-equity, publicly traded equity solution to keep up with inflation, he always says farmland. Yeah. I don't own any myself, but I could at least see it. It's yeah. a thing. It's a, yeah. And it, by the way, compare- it's not going to zero. It's a fit. People say it's a physical asset like gold. No, it's not. Farmland produces produces. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So, uh, Brad, El Salvador made Bitcoin its legal tender last September, heavily subsidized its ad- adoption. Usage has since plunged. Only 20 percent of companies even accept it. Less than five percent of sales are conducted in Bitcoin. It turns out the poor people don't need a new currency. They just need a cheaper way to use the old one. Crypto makes day-to-day transactions in El Salvador more expensive, not less. Bitcoin ATM fees range from 7 to 20%. Take out $100, cost between 7 and $20. But what's it cost to use a MasterCard or Visa, right? It costs, it costs you nothing. It costs the merchant a couple percent. What we're finding out is the only businesses that to truly embrace crypto are those allergic to oversight. 
yes. ransomware and and sanction busting. Yeah, the the criminals. Yeah, it's amazing to me that the Terra Luna one wasn't all over the news. They recently signed a deal with multiple sports leagues, including the NBA, and we currently have the NBA finals going on or playoffs going on right now. I think the NBA deal was something like thirty million to to have it be the. I, I think the NBA's official currency. And now it's gone to zero, so they're just going to sweep it under the rug. There's a, there's a lot of egg on the face that real journalists could be out there saying, gosh, that would have been bad if you'd have put all the NBA salaries into a currency that went to zero. I, I like this uh, this paragraph here in the Wall Street Journal. This is the headline, uh, Crypto Meltdown Exposes Hollowness of Its Promise. There are, of course, profound differences. This is exactly what you were talking about, Brad. Profound differences between stocks and crypto. Stocks have intrinsic value. They are a claim on a company's future cash flow. At any given day, the price may be out of whack with that cash flow, but at least you can make a judgment. Investors were making a judgment, not a recommendation to buy or sell on target today, for example, but they still have cash flow. Stocks can go to zero, of course. That's why you diversify and investors can lose fortunes, but those risks are mitigated by regulations. Think about the way stocks work, Brad. Companies are required to disclose material Information that's material to their stock price. Mutual funds must report the assets that they own. Uh, securities brokers and customers must meet certain criteria. This regulation uh, has barriers to entry. Instead of standardized regulatory findings, cryptocurrencies just publish a bunch of jargony white papers to the Internet. Aside from some stable coins, cryptocurrencies are not backed by any tangible assets. They don't have any cash flow. So even the outlandish predictions of their values are unfalsifiable. Uh, crypto promoters argue crypto isn't a security and shouldn't be regulated and have spent and recruited heavily to make those views heard. So while regulators have pushed back and brought enforcement cases, uh, laissez-faire has by and large prevailed. And you see what happens when that when that happens and what's happened with, with Luna. Yeah, what, what claim are you going to make if it goes to zero? Nothing. You should hope if you own the investment that it's regulated. Then you would have a claim if it went if some fraud happened or if the, the owner of the exchange absconds with all the money or that there's a computer glitch and everything goes to zero. Uh, you, you should hope that the FDA or the that the SEC would come in or the or FINRA would come in. So that otherwise it's not going to get sold anywhere and there's a reason they don't want it regulated. And people have often said it it helps uh, the poorer communities participate. The problem is those who share in that wealth creation in these early stages will also have to share in the wealth destruction uh, and probably didn't know what they were buying and the risk it entailed. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, you know, this is the kind of stuff we've been talking about on this show, Brad, for months and months, if not years, about the dangers of this stuff. I'm not as worried about individual investors losing their money in the currency. I'm worried about what it will mean to real investments because it's the only thing you can sell. You see this in the bond market all the time. When there's disruptions in the bond market, the real risk should be in high yield. But if things go down enough, highest quality goes down just as much because it's all that anybody has left to sell. In the initial stages, you might see high quality whatever. It doesn't matter. X, Y, Z. Corporate right. or right. muni. High quality corporate down a half a percent. High yield uh, corporate down 5%. Well, there's a line in the sand eventually and nobody sells the high, high yield corporate because they'll say uh, it'll come back. I'll sell my one only down a half a percent if right. I need, or right. I'll flip out of the high quality to go to a high yield because I think those sold off too much. And eventually they all kind of trade the same. Well, and that's what, where when people talk about systemic risk, when when banks and companies are adopting these things, uh, these cryptocurrencies and putting them on their balance sheets, uh, 
Yeah. They're owning billions and billions of dollars worth. And when they get into liquidation mode, it can it can cause bigger problems. So, yeah, yeah you want you, the, the biggest risk in future uh, few quarters of this year's earnings are the fact that crypto is down so much. And now companies who were thinking they were going to put it on the balance sheets and have something to brag about during an earnings call are going to have to fess up that their risk-free cash they put into Bitcoin, and now we're going to have to write down 30% of that risk-free cash. I hope not, but the, the, it, it probably already happened, and, and now we're going to have to, to, to hear that in the earnings call. Let's take our last pause. You're listening to Money Sense. The advisors at Kirsten Wealth Management Group. We'll be right back. And welcome back. We have just a couple minutes left here, Kevin, in the show, and uh, I want to talk about – I always get sometimes this question when we have – a negative news cycle like we're in now. What will turn it around? Or you sound so positive and not talking about markets already down and and usually when it's down, the the 12 month, 24 month, 36 month average is above average. But I think people are looking at this news cycle and, and, and where they're talking about all these things that people are worried about that haven't actually happened yet. Uh what will turn it around? Well, I I don't think you need to turn around too much because when you look at the economic activity that's out there, when you look at the job market, when you look at at all of the things that the Fed is looking at, really, they're all pretty good. And everyone is expecting much worse. One of them with the job market that has really started to turn around, I think what you're going to see here in the coming months for the jobs numbers are we're going to see a big number on increases in jobs because we've already seen a continued decline in unemployment claims. And now we're starting to get a slight uptick that I think will really accelerate in the labor force participation. All age groups, we really are far below where we were 10 years ago for uh, men 25 to 64 and for the entire group 25 to 64. The only thing that's increased over the last 10 years in that group is women, but men are far below, about 3% below where, uh, where we were 10 years ago. So I think what we'll see is a big number, but it will also come with an unemployment rate that will go up because our participation is going to shoot through the roof. Uh, and we really have not had a big jump in that to recover from where we were pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, we had this big drop in labor force participation because nobody could find a job. Then the jobs were available and we have yet to have a quarter or even a month where we've had a, a participation rate that shot up. At some point, I think we'll get that. And, and sometime in the next month or two, I think we'll get it. And, and because you can't go, you cannot continue to go on the unemployment rate down as low as we are without this changing. And so I think that's what will change. Here's some other good news. Diversified portfolios are starting to work again. Not only have bonds leveled off in the last three weeks, Brad, and, and uh, actually got it, up, uh, actually provided some buffer on the downside, but also small caps and international uh, bottomed out several weeks ago. And the only thing that hit new lows recently was the S&P 500, the mega caps, and the Dow Jones. Uh, in fact, the Russell 2000 small camp index is still 5%. It's up 1% today, 5% from its lows. Mm -hmm. uh, so I find it hard to believe that we are going into this raging bear market with small caps leading. Yep. That is not your typical, uh, that is not your typical trade. Yeah. But what it is typical of is it is typical of previous periods of time when interest rates have risen and the dollar has stayed strong smaller small cap companies international companies have outperformed it's well overdue we've been talking about that on this show but what that means is not load up in any one of those but what it means is the diversified portfolio mm -hmm. is winning out in the last couple of weeks and certainly uh, for diversified investors people who aren't just loading up on the mega caps 
that's something that they've yeah. been waiting quite a so what can quite a few at? years for. So look at the Dow. Yes, fine, but that's that's larger companies. Look at the Russell. If you have a day where the Dow is down and the, and the Russell 2000 is up, like 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 we saw a couple times this week and today, I think it's a great sign for the bottoming process uh, because you have the riskiest parts of the market actually going up. Typically, in a bear market, those small caps go down more. Okay, and we're not seeing that especially lately. Uh, so I think that's an encouraging sign. Uh, it it certainly is something that that we've seen in previous rate hike cycles as well. Uh, so I don't think the Fed's probably going to come off uh, for quite some time, uh, even if they go from a 50 basis point increase, Brad, to a 25. Uh, they're still going to increase probably through the fall before they even hint at a pause. It's all inflation. Every monthly inflationary number will dictate that. If we get it to spike down, I think that would be a different story. I think we're going to roll over and slowly move down. Yeah, and I, I think investors should keep in mind as well that even though the Fed will continue to raise rates, if you look at the market reaction and in interest rates, it's already been priced in to, to a great extent. So um, we're coming to the end of the show. As always, if you want to contact us throughout the week, call us at our office, 419-872-0067. Thanks, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Money Sense, brought to you each week by Kirsten Wealth Management Group. To contact Dennis, Brad, or Kevin professionally, call 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com, and their website is kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.